Well, amen, Northside. Good morning, good morning. Can you say glory, hallelujah? Now, you can do better than that. Come on. Say glory, hallelujah. Matter of fact, let's just try this. Let me say glory and you say hallelujah. Glory. Ah, come on, let's see. Let me say this. Heaven, heaven is, and you say sweet. Heaven is? Sweet. Is that as loud as y'all can get? <laughs> hey, it's football season, all right? It's coming, it's coming. Heaven is? Sweet. Heaven is? Sweet. All right, I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up. Come on, class. All right, class. Hey, wasn't it awesome to see all those teachers down front while I go, my goodness, Pastor Rocky, Woo! My goodness gracious. All right, this is a class participation now. Heaven is? Sweet. All right, I'm going to say hell is. You say hot. Hell is? Hot. Hell is? Hot. Heaven is? Sweet. Glory. Hallelujah. Man, you're listening. You're doing good. Students, they're doing good, aren't they? They're doing really good. I'm going to say Jesus. You say saves. Jesus. Save. Jesus. Save. Come on. Jesus. Save. Amen. All right. Before you sit down, I want you to turn and find three people and say, I'm glad I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. How about you? <laughs> Amen. All right. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I praise the Lord for this church. I'm excited for Northside Baptist Church. Been praying for you for months and just asking the Lord to bless you, take care of you through the summer, give you great camps and VBS and everything else. And now school is about to start. And this group right over here and all you students, matter of fact, if you're 19 or younger, would you stand up right now? 19 or younger, stand up, stand up, stand up. Look at here, 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 look at here. Woo! Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. Most of these standing can't wait for Tuesday because school starts again, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, keep standing, keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. Those of you in elementary, uh, middle school, uh, junior high, what do you call it here, middle school? All right, middle school, excuse me, yes, middle school. And high school, how many of y'all in high school? Well, a little weak, little weak, little weak, little weak there. All right, listen, I want you to know that you students have legal rights on our campuses. Now, some of you homeschool, I know. Some of you are in school here. Thank God for Christian education. But you that are on the public school especially go through a lot of battles. I'm telling you, it's uh, unbelievable. It's, it, it, those of us that are, if you're 40 or over, you know, we, we just can't imagine what these students go through now. The temptations that they face, the battles they face, the anti-Jesus, anti-Christian. I mean, it's just, it's just a battle. So we need to pray for them as well as our teachers, new teachers. Matter of fact, all you teachers that came forward, would you stand up right now again? Let me just embarrass you again. Stand up again. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, praise the Lord. Man, that's half your congregation, brother. Woo! Hey, look right here, look right here. You as teachers have legal rights also on the campus, the public school campus, okay? Now, in our Christian education, it's a little different, public school campus. Let me tell you, I do a series in YouTube, David Burton, you can, you can YouTube, and I do six or seven little three or four-minute vignettes of legal rights for students and teachers on the campus. 
the Supreme Court of the United States of America years and years ago gave you as students the legal right to be Christian on campus. Now, they took, quote, prayer out of school. You know about all that years ago, Madeline Marie O'Hare and all that bunch. But listen, they will never take prayer out of school as long as there are tests. <laughs> right? Uh-uh. I'm telling you, they won't. But you as students have the right to pray on your campus. September 26th, coming up very, very, very soon. Just a few weeks. See you at the poll. There'll be, there'll be several million students in the United States and millions of others across the world now have picked up on it over the last 25 years when See at the Poll was birthed, where you pray around the flagpole. Your teachers can be there. Adults, uh, moms and dads, we don't show up. This is a student-initiated student meeting. And uh, you, can, you can also go to YouTube, find some information there. We've posted on how to do See at the Poll uh, ministries on that day. It's just a few weeks, so you've got to work hard and make it, make it right. Get your other Christian students involved. But you have the right. You have the right to take your Bible to school. Take your Bibles to school, all right? Put them in your backpack, whatever. Now, I know a lot of us have things on our smartphones and all that, but, but take your Bible. Take the Bible. Let me, let, me, let me share something with you that Aiden Rogers said. Now, those of you that are standing, I'm going to be bold. I want you teachers, take your Bible. Put your Bible on your desk. You have the legal right as a Christian teacher to put your Bible on your desk. If a student comes up and makes a comment about it, ask about it, whatever, you get to explain Jesus to them, Amen. If they initiate the call or the conversation, you can do that. Adrian Rogers said this about the Bible. Matter of fact, if you've got a Bible, everybody grab your Bible. Everybody grab your Bible, hold it up. The teachers and students, I know you're, you're just loving standing up, but I want you to keep standing, all right, because you're special right now, okay? All right, you got your Bibles, hold them up. Some of you got your smartphones, your iPads, that's good, that's okay. Dr. Adrian Rogers, who was a longtime pastor, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis for years, gone on to be with the Lord now, he, he made this statement. These scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. Shallow enough that a babe can come and drink without fear of drowning but deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. You have the legal right, students, to wear Christian T-shirts. You have legal rights to gather students together in the hallway and have prayer. As long as you don't interrupt or disrupt a scheduled training, teaching, conference of some kind going on, you can do that. Round the meal table. Round the meal tables. Get your friends together at lunchtime and, and have prayer over your meal. Not to have a show of, hey, look at us. We're Christians. We're bound in praying. No, just really pray. God, give us strength to make it through the rest of this day lord may this food go down without coming back up you know whatever you pray you know just pray be christ-like wear your christian t-shirts i don't know exactly i've forgotten i think you've got epic uh that's going on and what's the middle school something new starting this wednesday or this year epic and what was the other one what was it true north yeah i like that true north okay uh, you've you got those gatherings. You might even have some T-shirts that you wear on those particular days that maybe you have those events. I think senior high is on Sunday, but middle school is on Wednesday. Is that right? Middle school? All you middle schoolers wear these T-shirts that say, be at True North tonight. And on the back, you know, 7 o'clock, Northside Baptist Church or something like that. Or you could wear T-shirts that say, turn or burn. You know, I mean, whatever. You know, burning in hell is what that means. Okay, Whatever. You can be a witness on your campus, so stay strong. When some of you came in, 
you, you, you've got these little orange cards while I go because some were getting them as people went out, some got them as you were coming in, it doesn't matter. You got these little cards to be a witness. You can, you can actually, teachers, I want you to hear this, these students have the legal right to pass out gospel tracts on campus. Are you with me? You have the legal right to pass out gospel literature, just as long as you're not interrupting the ongoing classes or teaching or training going on, okay? Uh, go to your school authorities and say, hey, every quarter, you know, once a quarter, once every three months, we'd like to stand at the door and as students walk out, we'd like to put a scripture reference, a scripture portion, a gospel track, whatever you want to call it, in the hands of every student as they exit. You have the legal right to do that. So students, be Christ-like on campus, amen? Be bold. Teachers, support them. Be bold. I tell authorities and school boards and people all the time, if our school systems would let Christian students be Christian on their campus, so much of the problems they have would disappear. Amen? Let Christians be Christians. Let students act Christ-like on campus, and much of the problem would disappear. Amen? Whew, I get pumped about it. I get pumped about it. Let me pray for you too, you students. Father, thank you for these that are standing. Thank you for all these teachers. My, my, my. Thank you for these students that have the wonderful, awesome opportunity and privilege of living for Jesus on campus. God, if they know Jesus as their Savior, and I pray most of them do, Lord, I know everybody standing right now doesn't know you. They've never met you personally. Every person standing, I, I know just statistically speaking, some of them have never prayed and repented and turned from their sins. They've never called upon you to save them. But may this be the day that they do. Because they are acting like Christians maybe now. They're talking like Christians now. They kind of walk like Christians. But down deep in their heart, they know they're not a Christian. But God, I believe they want to be. You place in their heart, I pray this morning, to make a commitment to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, did I embarrass you enough, all of you? Whoo! Listen, take your Bible, if you would. I want you to see a passage of Scripture. Take your Bibles and open with me to Hebrews. Some of you have this marked in your Bibles. As a matter of fact, I hope you've got a paper Bible with you. I'd love to hear the rustle of those pages. Hebrews, go to chapter, chapter 9. Chapter 9. I love to mark in my Bible, write in my Bible. I love to study my Bible. I tell you, in the last probably 18, 19, 20 months, God's just given me a fresh new desire and a hunger for the word like I've never had before. It's amazing. I've been in the ministry 46 years, but it's just, it's just God's just saturating my life with, with the word. And I love to read it, get up with my wife and have our coffee and study the word together when I'm home and can do that. Some of you have the privilege of doing that. Some of you don't because your work schedules and all. I understand that. But get into the book. Get into the book, but get the book into you. Okay? Get into this book. But get this book into you, and there's a big difference. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. If you haven't circled it, underlined it, highlighted it, put it in a box like I've got it here, do so. I've got three stars out there beside it. I mean, it's, it's a powerful, powerful passage. You see on the graphic behind me, the cross, 2,000 years ago, the blood, 2,000 years ago, and even today, and the decision, Maybe for some of you, you made a decision to follow Christ years ago. Maybe for some of you, it was just this past summer. Maybe for others, it's going to be this very morning. Hands went up. People indicated they professed Christ as Savior this morning in that first service. Some of them made it public. But I want to tell you, every single one of you who pray and ask Jesus into your heart this morning need to make it public. 
You need to come and say, I've prayed and asked Jesus into my heart, or I want to pray and ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want my sins forgiven. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Look what this verse says. Verse 22, Hebrews chapter 9. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed, excuse me, watch this, with blood. You ought to circle the word blood. Everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there it is again, there is no forgiveness of sin. Pastor David mentioned it a moment ago when he prayed, Lord, thank you, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The scripture says Jesus, 2,000 years on the cross, 2,000 years ago on that cross, had to shed his blood in order for us to be saved. There was no other way. I mean, Jesus couldn't just speak it. He had to die on the cross. He couldn't just uh, kind of write about it. He couldn't have just everything written in the Old Testament about the cross, and there is a lot about the cross. Man, every book points us to the cross in this Old Testament side of the Bible. New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And Jesus, he said, I've got to go to the cross. There was no other way. He, he, he prayed that it might be another way. Just a few hours before, he was beat nearly to death before he ever got to the cross. Literally beat to a pulp, Scripture says. He prayed in a garden saying, Lord, if there's any other way, any other way than this cross thing, let me do it. And... Um, The day Jesus was crucified, it was during the Pentecost celebration. Thousands of people had come in from out of town. Many were obviously already living in Jerusalem, but thousands of others came in. And during the days of Pentecost, it was a great celebration. And word had gotten out, there wasn't going to be just one crucified, not going to be two. There were going to be three crucified that day. And those three were crucified, Jesus and two malefactors, two other thieves. Um, Just write this down, but in Matthew chapter 27 is a pretty good storyline and understanding of what took place on the cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus shed his blood for you and I. When you came in, just as people who were exiting out a while ago, you may have gotten a little red stone. Some of you might have missed it as you were coming in. A little red bloodstone. Some of you are looking down at it right now. I know we, we wanted you to get as you came in. We may have run out in the mix and the mingle. I went to Walmart yesterday and I bought every single one of these they had. This little red stone is called a blood rock. Okay, matter of fact, some of you classes or men, men's organizations, you might want to buy a bunch of these. You can go to Walmart and buy them in a bag of 100 or 200, different size bags. I think a bag of about 300 is $4.95 for three or four hundred of these little stones. And you can use them and give them to your men and teach your men how to get into a conversation about Jesus with the bloodstone. But these bloodstones just represent the blood of Christ. Hold your hand out if you've got the stone. If you hadn't got the stone, hold your hand out anyway, okay? If you take this stone and place it there in the palm of your hand, what does it remind you of immediately? The cross, exactly. Jesus dying on the cross. So as a waiter or waitress comes your way and you want to be a witness, you want to have something to say to them and maybe at the very close of that long meal you've had. And matter of fact, right off the bat, when, when you're getting ready to uh, um, get your meal, you've talked to the waitress, maybe it's Jennifer, you know, you've encouraged her and you've been kind to her and she's brought your tea two, two or three times already. And then when Jennifer brings your food to the table 
and put your food down on the table. Maybe today when you leave here, you go out to eat. Maybe this time, sometime later on this week, you know, maybe next week, whenever you're out eating, Jennifer comes and drink, brings the food and puts it on the table. Sometimes there's maybe more than one person that comes. I'll get both of them's attention before they'll leave, and I say, just, just a minute, just a minute. We're going to give thanks for our food. Thank you for, you know, the preparation in the back. We're going to give thanks for our food and just have a word of prayer to God. Is there anything, Jennifer, in your life and, and Bill in your life? And, and always look, they've got name badges on, okay? Always call people by name, all right? Call them by name. That grabs their attention. Whoa, you know my name? Uh, so anyway, Jennifer, Bill, is there anything we pray for as we give thanks for our food? And they'll look at you, and I'm telling you, just like that, they'll start sharing stuff with you. You'll be amazed at how they'll almost dump on you problems, pressures, things they're going through. So you're opening up a door right there to speak Jesus into their life. Just already you've been kind, you've smiled, you've acted Christ-like while you were there, you've eaten rolls, you drank tea, now they bring you the, the real stuff, you're praying for them. They go back, and I tell you, sometimes they'll stand right there wanting to pray with you. And I've had some to just kind of stand there like, well, let's pray right now. And I'll say, would you like to pray right here? And if they say, yeah, we'll pray right there. Many times they'll give you that, 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 uh, that commitment or that uh, request, and then they'll walk away. And they'll stand over in the corner many times, I'm just about sure, and they're watching to see if you're really praying. You're, you're, you're again, you're just planting the seeds of the gospel in their life. And you eat your food, you know, and they come and go and come and go. And at the end, they take your credit card uh, or your cash or whatever, and they go and, and they bring your change or your credit card back. And um, you then, when they bring that credit card back and set it down, you look at them and say, hey, hold your hand out. Let me show you. I'm going to give you one more gift, Jennifer. And Jennifer holds her hand out. And that's when you pull the blood rock out, your purse, your pocket. And you place that in Jennifer's hand. And I guarantee you, Jesus is going to begin to deal in Jennifer's life. And you say, Jennifer, I just want you to know that stone reminds me of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for you. And Jennifer will hold that and say, I want you to keep that. And Jennifer will put it in her little pouch or maybe she'll put it in her pocket or he'll put it in his pocket. And you might want to go home and put it on your, on your chest of drawers there at home or something. Just remember that Jesus loves you. So there's just a lot of ways that you can get into a conversation. Some of us are looking for those ways. We want those open doors, you know. Not everybody's got A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D like some of us have. And, uh, but, but, but you and I are to share about this cross experience any way we can. And in this room, most of us are, are Christians. Most of us are saved. I mean, I really believe that most of you are saved. How many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Wave to me. Yeah, praise the Lord. And uh, some of you raise your hand, you're not real sure, you hope you are. And some of you raise it because everybody else was, you know, and you know you're not. And you know if you died today, you'd split, split hell wide open. You know you don't know Jesus. You know you would not have eternal life in heaven with Jesus. And by the way, eternal life is going to be somewhere for you, either heaven or hell. You're going to have eternity somewhere, forever. I mean, your eternity, and eternity is a long time. Matter of fact, eternity is a long time to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong is maybe a better way to say it. You're either going to spend eternity in hell or in heaven. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And the only way to get to heaven, to live forever in heaven, is to have your sins forgiven. Teenagers, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Got a big clump of you over here. Do you know you're going to heaven? I hope you do. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you know Jesus, then you know you're going to heaven. And, and for everyone, if, if you're sitting there kind of thinking, well, I, I, I think I am, preacher. 
Or somebody may say, well, man, I sure hope so. I've had so many people over the years when I'm sharing Christ with them, they'll say, well, preacher, I I hope everything's okay. Others will say, well, I, I, I think I'm going to heaven when I die. Man, when they say that, they have opened themselves up to an understanding from myself to them of knowing they're primed to hear the greatest news in all the world. They are primed to hear about this cross event, this shed blood event. And how can I get into a conversation with them about that shed blood? Um, when you leave or maybe when you came in, you picked up a little orange card here. It's called a life death track. You can use any track. You can use anything you want to. It's just the ones we use in our ministry. It's called life and death. Just a matter of perspective the way you look at it. Going through a drive through window, uh, I'll order my food, I'll give my credit card, they'll give me a credit card and receipt back, and I'll look out and I'll say, hey, Carolyn, how are you today? She'll say, I'm fine. I'll say, Carolyn, have you ever seen one of these? And I'll hold it right out in front of her and I'll start flipping it back and forth. It says two things. It says, the wages of sin is death. If you flip it around, it says, the gift of God is eternal life. So you got death and life. And it's just a matter of perspective the way you look at it, what it says. But I'll, I'll drive through and maybe it's, maybe it's Johnny at the window. You know, he's always got a name badge on. And it blows them away when you call them by name. They're going to go, how did you know my name? And it's right there, Johnny. <laughs> and wherever you are, call people by name. Uh, I love walking through a grocery store and somebody's stocking the groceries. That's just one of the best places in the world. I, at the airport yesterday, parked my car, walking through the parking garage. This little man came out and he was pushing this buggy and he'd been cleaning. He had a yellow vest. You know, I knew he worked for the airport and he was walking along there and he was picking up cups and all. I said, sir, thank you, thank you, thank you for working so hard around here, making this place clean and neat. Just wanted to encourage him a little bit. Just wanted to speak into him a little bit. And he smiled real big and he said, well, thank you for thanking me. I thought that's cool. And I turned to walk, and then the Lord said, uh-uh, not, not a burden, not enough burden, not enough burden. Anybody can do that. And I turned around and said, hey, sir, sir. And he turned around and said, has anybody told you today Jesus loves you? He got a big old smile on his face, and he said, no, but he loves you too. <laughs> I went, yes, sir, he does, and I walked on. Now, see, that's the only just little quick moment I had to speak Jesus into his life. Amen. I spoke the cross into his life. I didn't have 30 minutes. I didn't go over there with my with a track or anything. I was headed my way. He was headed his way. Sometimes it's just that quick. You're back to the grocery store illustration. You know, they're always in there and they're stocking or they're cleaning, they're dusting, whatever. And, and I, I love to try to see if I can get their name badge a little bit. Sometimes they're down in a position I can't see their name badge. But if I can get their name badge, I'll say, hey, Billy, how you doing today? And he'll look up and I'll say, thank you for stocking and keeping this place so neat and clean in here. And I'll say, Billy, has anybody looked to you today and told you that Jesus loves you? Has anybody told you today Jesus loves you? And I'll find others, and I'll just say, has anybody told you today Jesus loves you? Other lady that took my luggage and all yesterday, um, she was very kind. They were busy as a bee. It was just kind of hectic there in Jacksonville, and I could tell she was a little frustrated. And, and uh, after she kind of got my paperwork back to me, I said, this isn't y'all's best day, I can tell. But I said, I said, and I called her by name. I've forgotten her name. Let's say it was Becca. I said, Becca, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Now, I could have sat there and pulled out my Bible and said, Becca, get a smile on your face. Boom. Get with the program, Becca. Boom. God loves you. Boom. Turn or burn. You know, I could have, I could have done, I could have had a lot of fun. But, but, you know, listen, every one of us 
find Becca's or Jennifer's or Carl's or Billy's, and you've got a lot of students that you're going to be around that you could plant Jesus into their life just by wearing your Christian T-shirts. Be bold. Wear your Christian T-shirts to school. Talk about Jesus. You're a walking billboard. As you walk down the hallway, you students at school, you're a walking billboard about Jesus. You can wear your Christian T-shirts every day of the week. And some are radically bold doing that, standing out for Jesus. Just act like a Jesus freak if you're going to wear Jesus freak stuff. Amen? Okay. Don't wear a Christian T-shirt and then fuss and argue with the teacher or do ugly things or laugh at dirty jokes or get involved in things you shouldn't. Okay? Are you with me? Are you with me? Same way with us adults. You know, Talk about Jesus at some times and then you go bonkers at other times at work. Well, you just blow your witness. You say, well, Burton, how, how do you just... How do you just stay happy all the time? How do you just kind of stay positive all the time? Just stay in the book. Amen? Study to show thyself approved. Hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against me. Just stay in the book. That's the key thing. I know somebody sit out there, and uh, Brother Rocky's up here, and he's just preaching up a storm, you know, and always energetic, and I just love his energy. I tell you what, I, if I lived within... 50, 60, 70 miles or 100 miles, I think I'd be here every week just to hear him get up and give the announcements, amen? <laughs> I, I, you, you, you sit here sometimes and you go, yeah, preacher, yeah, yeah, you're a preacher. You can always be happy. And you, can always, you can always have a smile on your face. While you just get up for a few hours on Sunday morning, you don't do nothing the rest of the week. <laughs> what is it with you? Hey, by the way, I saw a post that they put up a few weeks back and I'd, I'd missed about Josh's death. I didn't know about that. And uh, talked to Steve a little bit about it last night. I can't imagine what it'd be like as a parent to lose a child. My mother and daddy did. My brother died of a major heart attack when he was 32 or 3 years old back in 1992. Healthy as he could be, driving down the highway, had a major heart attack. Pow, just like that. Car went across the median, hit a dump truck. 18-wheeler it was, actually, and he was dead before he ever hit it. Doctors said his heart just exploded in his chest. But he knew the Lord, and he's in heaven right now, and he's waiting on me, and I'm ready to go. But you know what we do? We sit here and we say, yeah, preacher, how can you be happy all the time? How can you, you know, all, how how'd you, over, how'd you and Sherry make it through all of that? And then you see all these folks up here singing, and they're up here just singing, and they're smiling, and they're just so happy. How in the world can you be happy? What's the deal? And people, a lot of times, they'll say, Burton, what is the deal? How are you just, I mean, the moment you wake up, you know, you're hyper. You're ready to go. And, you know, A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D does help. But, and coffee does help. But I'm telling you, I just wake up happy in the Lord. I just wake up and I get into that book immediately in the morning. Every morning I get into that book. Had to get up a little earlier to do it. There's a little bit of discipline of doing it. But I started out just a few minutes, and now I'm getting up a lot earlier. My body's just waking up. It's the most fun thing. I go to bed excited about waking up. I'm serious. I go to bed. I mean, I am not lying. You know, you know we say that, preacher. I guess they think we lie a lot when we say that. I'm not lying. But I, I, I do. I have trouble sometimes. Students, I got turned on to Jesus when I was your age. When I was 17. All of heaven came down, grabbed my heart, shook my head, shook my emotions, and I became a Jesus movement person. And some of the folks out here did the same thing at my age. You remember that Jesus movement? It was the last major awakening in America. And I'm praying for another Jesus movement to start in our young people. 
at Northside Baptist Church in all Columbia area in this whole county. I'm telling you, I'm telling you it could happen again. But I just love getting in the Word, and I love sharing the Word. I love just passing out little gospel tracts. I leave little orange tracts everywhere I go. Gas stations. You get your gas and put your credit card in that little thing. And then before I leave, I put this in that little thing. <laughs> it fits in perfectly. You just slide it in. And when you drive off and somebody else drives up, well, they find a little gospel track about Jesus. Amen? Just leaving tracks in your tracks everywhere you go. You say, oh, well, that's just a little ridiculous. Well, I like it the better I, I like it better the way I do it than the way you don't do it. Amen? I'd rather get before God one day and he'll say, now, Burton, you just kind of overdid it. Instead of, Burton, why didn't you do something? Are you with me? Wow. I was eating in Falls Creek Falls, Idaho last year, breakfast. A little guy that was Hispanic had waited on us and done a great job. Got ready to leave. Missionary I was with, he and his wife were over there. He was taking care of the bill. I was glad he was taking care of the bill. I got up and I walked over to that little Hispanic gentleman, Jose. I said, Jose, thank you. You worked hard. You did a great job today. He nodded. He was standing over just like I am right here, just kind of waiting to see who he could wait on. I said, Jose, he's going to give you a good tip. And I always, listen, when you tip people, give a good tip. Are you with me? Because then your witness means a lot more to them. You've talked about Jesus the whole time you've eaten, and you just give a dollar tip. Boy, that blows your witness. Are you with me? Give a good tip. And I laughed, and I said, he's going to give you a good tip, but let me give you the best tip. And I reached in my pocket, and I took out one of these little cards. I said, Jose, this little card says, the wages of sin is death. And I flipped it around. I said, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I said, Jose, Jesus wants you to have life. I said, Jose, on the back. Now, I knew I just had a, a minute or two. I wasn't going to talk to him long, but I wanted him to have this little card as a gift. And it could be any track. It could be any track. Just, just a track, just some gospel portion into their hands. And I said, Jose, let me, let me just show you real quickly what this little card says. I saw his boss standing over at the door, front door, and I was hoping his boss wouldn't come over and interrupt. Come find out later his boss knew the Lord, and his boss realized what I was doing. And that, was a, that was a good thing. But I sat there. I said, Jose, let me read this to you. I said, Jesus loves you. And I said, Jose, in the Bible, the book of Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he looked at me kind of strange. And then he took his finger and he pointed at the word Romans. And he said, what do you mean, Romans? And he said, what's the three in that little two, three? What, what does that mean? And I said, well, Jose, I said, this is, this is a book in the Bible. He said, I don't have a Bible. Boy, the Lord was working on my heart, and I know working on his heart already. See, the Bible says God goes ahead of us, but God's Holy Spirit's already dealing with people before you and I ever talk to him. Did you hear me on that? The Holy Spirit precedes us in our witness. I'd never met Jose. But I knew Jose was talking to him. God said, it's not my will. Listen to me. God said, it's not my will that any should perish, but all should have eternal life. I knew God wanted him to be saved. I knew God didn't want him to die and go to hell. Same way with you that are here today, that are good church members, but you're lost, headed for hell. God wants you to be saved. You say, well, I'm, goodness, I'm a member of the church. I joined the church. I walked the aisle. Man, I even got baptized. That has nothing to do with your salvation. 
If you've never prayed and said, Lord Jesus, I want your blood to wash my sins away. I want forgiveness. If you've never repented, and that just means turn from your sins. The scripture says, if you repent, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be forgiven. If you've never repented, if you've never been broken over your sin, if you've never said, God, forgive me for my sinful life. If you've never done that, you're headed for a place called hell today. Not heaven, but hell. You'd be a good daddy here today and you're headed for hell. Jose was headed for hell. I said, Jose, you don't have a Bible. He says, I I've never had a Bible. Here we are in America. The boy says, I've never had a Bible. And my heart is just broken, but so warmed knowing he's listening. I said, well, Jose, we'll get you a Bible before this day's over. And we did. The missionary went and got a Bible and brought him back a Bible. I sat there with Jose. I said, Jose, could I just finish reading this little card to you? And all I did is I read. It didn't take one minute. Here it is. All have sinned and are separated from God. Romans 5, 8. God still loves us. Jose, even though we're all sinners, God still loves us. I didn't go into a dissertation on what sin was because God's already convicting him. God's already talking to him. David Burton's not the one that convicts. David Burton's not the one that converts. David Burton's not the one that explains everything to Jose. God's Holy Spirit is. And God's Spirit was working on Jose, and I said, Jose, the Bible says sin earns death in hell, but God gives life in heaven. I said, heaven's a real place. I said, wouldn't you like to go to heaven when you die? He said, I would. I said, to do that, you've got to confess your sin. You need to turn from your sins, Jose. I said, sins are just rebellion against God. I said, we're all born in sin, Jose. I didn't go to, into a 30-minute dissertation. I didn't go down through a bunch of other scriptures. God was working on his heart already, way before David Burton had ever shared with him. Maybe he'd been watching Christian TV somewhere along the way. His life was seated. Maybe he'd picked up another gospel track. His life had been seated. Somewhere way back, he'd gone to church with Grandma and Grandpa. Maybe his life was seated. He's in a Christian place of business. He hears Christian music playing. That Christian music seeds his life. I mean, God just pours himself into people in different ways. Maybe he watched his mom and dad. Maybe he watched his grandmother go through, through some difficult times. He's watched his grandmother on her knees praying. And I said, Jose, you need to confess your sins, turn from your sins, believe in your heart, Jose, and ask Jesus to save you. About a minute, minute and a half had gone by, and I said, Jose, does that make sense to you? Do you know do you what, I'm, what I'm saying? Would you like to know that Jesus can forgive your sins? Jose looked at me, and he began to cry. Now, I had only been talking to Jose two minutes I'd never met Jose in my life. We'd been kind to Jose. We'd loved on Jose. We'd prayed for Jose. And I just showed him a little piece of paper that had God's word on it. The scripture says, faith, listen to me. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not by some preacher, but by the word of God. I said, Jose, would you like to pray and ask Jesus Christ? to come into your life and forgive your sins. He said, I would, right there in that restaurant. And I said, I just want to pray a prayer with you. The words won't save you, Jose. But if you mean it and you pray, you can be saved. And I said this, I said, Jose, just pray after me. Dear God, dear God. And we were just looking at one another. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. 
I'm lost today without you. I'm lost today without you. Would you forgive my sins? Would you forgive my sins? And come into my life and come into my life. Because I want to live forever. Because I want to live forever in heaven. Because I want to live forever in heaven. Amen. Amen. And I looked at Jose. I said, Jose, what, what just happened? He said, Jesus is in my heart. I'll never forget it. He said, Jesus is in my heart. Right there in the restaurant. And that's happened over and over and over again. Many of you hear testimony similar. Do you know some of you in this room right now have never prayed a prayer like that? Oh, well, now, preacher, wait just a minute. I, I've been baptized. I joined the church. Well, my husband's a deacon. Or I'm a deacon, you may say. I've seen praise team members get saved at imitation time. In the churches where I've been, where there was choirs, I've seen choir members that have stood there week after week and sang about Jesus come to the altar and say, I want it saved. I was in a church in Arkansas some years ago. Seven of their deacons came to know Christ as Savior. In another church, the pastor's secretary gave her heart to Jesus. You see, you can think you're saved, but the Bible says you're going to know you're saved. And I don't want you to walk out of these doors today hoping you're saved, thinking you're saved. I want you to be saved. I wish my dear sweet wife Kathy were here. We were to church in Oklahoma City about uh, 20 years ago. She had been married to me for a long time, Baptist preacher. She had sang for me. She played piano and revivals for us, Sunday school teacher. She had gone off to evangelism explosion, trained in evangelism explosion of how to lead others to Christ. She had led many people to Christ herself, and she did not even know him personally, and she knew it, and she fought it, and she struggled with it. And we were on the back row of First Baptist Church Southern, First Southern Baptist Church in Dale City, Oklahoma. The pastor stood up, held his Bible up that night. He says, here's the title of my message. Are you sincerely saved? or satanically deceived and he preached the gospel that night and my wife couldn't wait for the invitation as soon as the preacher said let's stand you come to this altar she stood and took me by the hand we came down that aisle and let me tell you I knew what was happening in her life as we walked down that aisle I knew my wife was about to get saved and I've lived with her for all those years as she walked down that aisle now listen somebody can relate to this as she walked down that aisle she fought the, the old flesh she said, well, what, what's my mom and dad going to say? She said, well, what, what, what's that pastor going to say? What's Pastor Tom going to say when I, when I tell him I want to get saved? What, what's my husband right here by myself? What's he going to think? And then God just said, hey, 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 hey. Don't you worry about what the preacher or your parents or your husband thinks. You're selling the issue with me, and that's what matters tonight. And when she got to that altar right there, Pastor Tom said, Kathy, why are you coming? And she said, I need to be born again. He didn't even hesitate. And that's what a good pastor will do. He wasn't going to try to talk her or ask her questions. Well, why? What are you doing? Hey, when God speaks, <laughs> you minister. Amen? And in just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. There's some of you that need to come to this altar and give your heart to Jesus.
There's some of you that are battling in the same way as Jose was, not understanding everything, but you hear the gospel. You're like my wife. You think everything, you hope everything, but down deep you know you don't know Jesus. Heaven's real, but you're not going there unless you've called upon the name of the Lord to save you. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. I'm so glad he shed his blood. I want you to bow with me. Would you? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now in this very place, God's Holy Spirit's here. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. Some of you need to come to this altar and pray for your family members. Some of you need to come pray for a lost son or lost daughter. You know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven when you die, but you need to come to this altar and say, Oh, God, and call people by name. Call that child by name. Some of you need to come and pray for a mom or a dad that they'll meet Jesus and come to know him personally. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment when we stand to our feet to come, be the first ones down this aisle. Some of you Sunday school teachers need to come to this altar and pray for people that you know you minister to week after week. You know struggles they're going through, heartaches they have. I'm going to ask you to come and pray for them. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're headed for a place called hell that's just as real as that seat you're sitting in right now. And, sir, you can argue with me and you can, you can put up a fight with me, but God's Holy Spirit right now in your heart is saying, sir, you need to be saved. And God is squeezing your heart, and you know today is the day of salvation. Ladies, you too. Dear sweet lady, don't buy a life in the pit of hell that everything's okay when down deep you know you're lost I'm going to pray as soon as I say amen we're going to stand to our feet and I want you to come to this altar pastor, staff are here they're going to be here and I mean as soon as we stand to our feet first step you take right out you take it right out come to this altar pray you find one of these staff members and you say I need to pray and ask Jesus to come into my life I need to be born again and I'm going to ask you to come and stand just as close to this altar as you can I want you to come and stand here I want to look at you in the eyes. I want to pray with you as you're here. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done right now in the hearts and lives of people. Thank you for every man that's about to be bold and step out for you. Thank you for every woman here, Father, that's going to step out. God, I thank you for every teenager that's sick and tired of being sick and tired, every young teenager man, every young teenage lady. Dear God, I pray for them right now that they will step out and come and say, I need to be born again. God, your heavens are going to rejoice. Scripture says, Lord, that your angels are going to rejoice at commitments made this morning. So bless those that come for whatever reason. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. Stand your feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed, unless you're walking. Come right now. Just step out from all over in the back. Come, Mama. Come, Daddy. Come, teenagers. Come to this altar. Pray for some of your friends at school you need to pray for. God bless you, sir. Keep coming. That's right. God bless you. God bless you. Just keep coming. Yes. God bless you. 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 Come. Come on. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Christians, would you just be praying? Just let go and let God. Now, let me ask you the question again. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day to meet Jesus. Would you come, take one of these ministers by the hand and say, I need to be saved. I'm headed for a place of doom. I want Jesus to forgive my sins now. Some of you ladies need to swallow pride. Oh, I'm so thankful my wife did. I'm so thankful she finally swallowed her pride and said, I don't care what anybody says. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Be born again right now. Come. Come. Come from the very, very back, maybe. Come. Come on, ladies. God bless you. Others coming. Yes. Men, teenagers. Oh, 
won't listen. I want you to be sold out for Jesus. But you got to know Jesus first. I've had so many teenage friends when I was growing up to die. Car wrecks, drownings. Oh, I remember Magnolia, the swimming area. One of my best friends did a double gainer and came down and hit his chin on the diving board. Broke his neck immediately, the doctor said. Drowned right there. Great football player. Bill Ray, named a football field after him. I'm going back there in a few weeks. I'll be seeing part of his family, and I'll never forget the day. The last time I saw Bill Ray, Bill Ray died as a teenager. I don't know what's in your life today. I don't know what's going on, but come. This altar's open. Oh, parents, come. Some of you moms and dads need to come to this altar. Oh, as a daddy, as a mom, you just need to say, Oh, God, speak to my child. Speak to that one. It's on a journey now that's taking them into darkness. Some of you grandparents need to come and pray for grandchildren. You need to come and say, oh, God, I've got grandkids. I've got a 19-year-old grandkid and an 18-month-old grandchild, both spectrums. And I pray so often for them. I pray for Maddie as she's in school for the first year. That God will protect her from the evil, fiery darts that Satan throws. Come and pray for your granddaughter, your grandson. That little sweet 18-month-old, I've already prayed. I've already prayed into her face. I've sang over her, claimed her little heart for Jesus. One day, one day, she will do what some are doing at this altar right now, giving their life to Jesus. Scripture says over in Revelation, every head bowed now, every eye closed, Christians praying. Scripture says in Revelation, a very strong, powerful word. It's talking about the battles we have with the devil. Now listen, some of you are battling with the devil right now. There's a scripture verse that says, They overcame him. They being Christians, they overcame him, him being Satan. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Today, if you know Jesus, you are able to overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. Some of you need to come to this altar and just make a fresh new commitment to be a bold witness for Jesus, to speak up for Jesus. Let your testimony overcome the devil. And they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Satan hates the blood. He hates the testimony. You come right now.